All right, so we have no idea what this podcast is going to be named. So, so far, the, the front runner is welcome to the Far Please. Eastern Conference. I still like the uh, <laughs> weekly, nightly podcast, weekly. Which, is, which is not <laughs> nightly and could possibly not be weekly. It depends on schedules. <laughs> but it's a play on words, just like Far Eastern. So yeah. regardless, it's going to be awesome. We might, we might put, uh, put a poll up. Yeah, so the people like. Yeah, for all of our like seventy-seven followers, uh, maybe eighty-seven. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, well, people who are interested in what we have to say, I guess. But anyways, uh, I'm Carlo. You probably know me also on Twitter and on Reddit as some dude eighty-eight. And I'm Andrew. Uh, you may have seen me on Twitter as at Choi underscore AJ. So there's our Twitter handles. Follow us if you like our shit. Yeah, I also post a lot of memes and videos, so if you enjoy that kind of content, go go for that. Well, so, well let's talk about that for a second, because Carlo has come out with some of the most shared Twitter videos for the well, Golden Knights, I'm pretty sure. Well, well, it's not Golden Knights quality, it's just something I like to do and it's for fun, so... Well, so it, when I get an idea, I do it, and, then, and I think it's hilarious, so... I'm still waiting for the Office one. I did, I already posted the Office one. Oh, damn it, that's right. <laughs> I, I am planning to do a parks and recreation one, but I've been my schedule's been really oh. busy. So and it's it's a little bit much harder to edit that because of all the moving pieces and stuff. So Man, where have I been? Oh, that's yeah. right. I haven't been on Twitter in like a month yeah, because yeah. I was moving. Yeah, it's uh it's pinned on my in my uh profile, so if you want to look at it, it's there. Alright, well everybody but, else should go look at that too. But anyways, uh we're here to talk about the Golden Knights, not about my Golden Knights <laughs> videos. Um so we got we got a pretty full schedule today. We have uh an off-season recap for you guys. Uh, so we'll, you'll be hearing our takes on uh, what's happened in the off-season and going into some of the prospects and uh, and what's going to kind of happen for these uh, preseason games. And the first one's coming up here. And then we'll kind of go into opening uh, night roster predictions, uh, talk a little bit about some of the things that have gone on around the NHL, and then we'll end some uh, end with some complaints about the NHL 20 ratings that nobody was happy about on the Golden Knights, at least. Yeah, um, but first of all, we're, we're going to talk about just recapping the offseason, what happened so far. We're going to talk about the signings, uh, the people we lost, and uh, someone we lost. Yeah, that, that one will be a, a very a very quick... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of yell into the microphone for a little while <clears throat> about that one. Yeah, but let's start off with the people that we, uh, we lost. Yeah. So, so we lost three uh, big key players, uh, which is Eric Holla, Colin Miller, and Pierre-Edouard Belmar. Um, we lost uh, smaller pieces like Carpenter, uh, like some AHL pieces like Hika, uh, Daniel Carr, but I don't think they really impacted the uh, the big club that much. Yeah, or at so. least not yet. But anyways, yeah. uh, I, what do you? Which one of those do you think is going to be the biggest impact without being on the team this coming season? I think it's Belmar. It's I, I know he he plays the least minutes out of all of them when everyone is healthy, barring because. Eric Holla was hurt last season, yep. but Belmar's leadership and his fourth line presence is really what made that fourth line the fourth line, and it's a big gloss in the locker room, and, and the way he plays and like carries everybody, I think it's a bigger loss than both Miller or Holla. I, think. I, I totally agree. I, I think Miller had a really, really bad season. Um, not as bad as Halla, obviously, with the uh, the whole leg injury. Yeah. But Miller had a didn't have the, his best season. He was benched in the playoffs for at least one of the games, from what I recall. And uh, it just didn't seem like he was 
the same Miller he was the first year that the Golden Knights were a team. I didn't even think that Hollow played particularly well when he was healthy, to be no, honest with you. No. Um, he, was, he was placed uh, as a winger, uh, so, and I don't, I don't think he really adjusted as well as we hoped he would. I think the team saw him as a wi- winger, and that's, I think that's why we also got uh, Mark Stone, because they knew that Eric Holla uh, wasn't in the future for this team. Yeah, yeah, and, and nobody wants to take that gamble of saying, hey, let's keep Holla on our roster when he just had a catastrophic injury the season before, yeah. and then who knows how good he's going to be after that. I mean, this, this team is still going to be a cup contender, very much so next season, if you look at all the, the sports books and all that. They're, they're basically giving the Golden Knights as favorites for the Western Conference. Um, now, that could be a little bit of a point of contention because I think the, the Avs might end up up there as well, but... And that might also be thanks to having a stronger center on their fourth line with Bellamere. Yeah, that, yeah, Bellamere's big addition to that line. But um, M- Miller, too, like you said, I don't think he had a really good season. I think a lot uh, – he, he made a lot of mistakes defensively. I've seen him fall and leave the puck there. And guess who cleans up after him? Uh, Merrill. Like he, Merrill took a lot of slack last year, and I think – Part of it because he was playing with Miller's mistakes, and on the surface you see and you see Merrill like cleaning it up and he, like two and one. It's really hard for him to defend, and I think partially this is because of Miller. And I, I think uh, losing M- Miller is not really that big of an impact. His points went down, and I think he he regressed on his uh, defensive assignments too. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think that there's a lot of guys that could. Uh, potentially replace Miller and even be better. And we'll talk about that in a little bit in the uh, defensive prospects that we're going to be chatting about um, here in a few minutes. But yeah, Miller, I don't think was a showstopper as in like losing him was not going to make the team worse. Yeah, he did. And he, we expected a lot more from Miller a big step because he had a really good first season in the Golden Knights and we expected him to take a leap. And there's so many times where he just shoot. He has, he has a, a rocket of a shot. But every time I, I we just see him that he misses wide left wide right, yeah. he barely hits the net. It, it's not worth taking a yeah. you know crazy power shot if you're not gonna even make it close yeah. to the net. It's like a shotgun shot. You just yeah. don't know if it's gonna hit or not. You know. You yeah. Gotta, yeah. Yeah. It's like oh okay, so the buckshot went all over the place except that you know it's one puck, so that buckshot ended up you know going over the glass. Yeah. Uh, so but, how about uh how but, about additions? Um. It, uh, well. Let's talk about the people that we kept. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The biggest surprise here for me, actually, is uh, <laughs> Brandon Peary. Uh, I, I came out, I tweeted, uh, tweeted it like a few seasons back that is 90% sure that Peary was going to be gone from this team. And I, I was, think I retweeted your, your tweet because I, I 100% agreed. I, I could not believe. As soon as the, they signed Peary, I, I started having a bad pit in my stomach about signing or keeping other players. I, w- I mean, to be, to be fair, Peary signed for like 700, like league minimum. Yeah. It's, it's a bargain. Yeah, and, and with the Knights being so pressed up against the cap during the offseason, it, it yeah. did make sense. But And uh, apparently Perry's been doing okay in, in training camp and stuff from what I've heard. But, yeah. but still, it's just one of those, those signings that really, I think, caught both of us off guard. Yeah, but to be, like, to be, like, like I said, we do need those players that's making these kinds of amounts of money, like less than a million, because we are so close to the cap. Yeah. Um, and Noshik too. It's the same situation where, well, I expected him to be back. He was an RFA. I don't, I don't, 
I don't think he was going to go anywhere. Um, it's really hard for people to, players to be in RFA situations to get out of the team. But I really do like Nosek, though. Um, we expected him to take a leap last year, which he didn't, um, which was a disappointment because he had a great preseason last season. Um, but And then going into the season, we expected him to jump into that third-line role with uh, Eakin and uh, Tuck. But he did play there for a few games, but he didn't really impress anyone. So he was stuck with a tweener between fourth line and third line. It's going to be very interesting to see where he particularly shapes out during uh, the the end of this offseason and into the actual regular season. Uh, one, of, one of the big things about him that I'm really curious about is what happens between that fourth line center spot. Is it going to be Noshik? Is, is he going to end up as a winger? Is he going to end up somewhere else? Or what's going to happen there? Yeah, because he's, he's in a roster battle with uh, Nicolas Roy, <laughs> or people, Nicholas Roy, or whoever, whatever you want to call him, uh, who we got for Eric Halla, uh when we traded him. Uh, Nosek, I thought he was best when he was a center. Uh, I don't particularly think that getting Nicolas Roy is a knock on Noshik. I think it's bringing in competition. I think they do like Noshik, but they want him to, they don't want him to just give him the spot. They brought him Wa to have him compete for that spot and not just give it to him. I think you're going to see a lot of times over the course of this season that that fourth line center spot might be occupied by more than one prospect. Yeah, because, I mean, Noshik could also be the third line winger because that, that is the void in this roster yeah, him right and now Peary, him and Peary could kind of switch out of that that winger spot if they needed to. yeah and another um uh, dark horse in that spot is Zikov mm. not a lot of people are talking about him and and I heard he did very well in training camp yeah I heard that he's he stayed in Vegas all summer long to condition to, to train and if if Zikov's not going to make their roster it's not because lack of effort he, no it's because of Way too much competition, basically. Yeah, too much. We have we have a lot of good players, and that's a good thing. A lot of people are like, um, why, why, why are we pressed against the cap? We can't afford it. It's, it. it's because we have a lot of good players. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you hear people that don't like the Knights on Twitter start talking about being pressed against the salary cap, they, they're treating it as if the roster that the Knights have today is going to be totally a piece of terrible shit basically yeah. and that's not the case at all i i mean look at look at the roster we have mark stone that, that's pretty much all you need to say and then you you still have carlson marchiso smith everybody else that yeah, we've already Pacioretty had and Stastny. Yeah, it's, we have a stacked roster that that is a cup contender guaranteed so so i always laugh when i see people on twitter saying there is no way that like they should be pressed against the cap in their third season it's like no no look at the people we have now <laughs> and if you're a cup contender you should be pressed against the cap um, yeah. we, and we spread our cap really well, I think, unlike some teams in this province of Ontario that we'll talk about later, probably. <laughs> yeah, I totally agreed. But uh, I think the biggest uh, move we had in this offseason, though, is talking about cap, is fitting in William Carlson. Yeah, talk our, about team-friendly deal right there. Yeah, he is our number one center, and he took well, $5.9 which I think he was 
easily worth at least like 6.5. I, I totally agree. Um, I think that there's a little bit of math that you could do to justify it based on the fact that we don't have income tax on the state here and out, yeah. out in Vegas or Nevada. So he's, for half of those games, going to make substantially more than he would on another team, say, somewhere in California. And I think, I think he also just loves playing here, you know. And, and it's, it, it, it's amazing how we're able to get talent like him to sign here for that much and yeah it's, absolutely it's a bargain and he's just he scored 43 goals a season ago and he he we're paying him 5.9 million if and that was to say he's not going to do it again yeah exactly which i i don't think he will no, i don't it's, it's especially because marcia so is the scorer in that but carlson is not just a scorer too he he plays the whole hockey like oh defensive it, forward 200 foot game he's not, not even everywhere. just 200 foot it's like how, how wide is a rink? Because yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, you're, you're he totally plays right. everywhere. He, you know? he is, and he is exactly where he should be when he should be. Yeah. So if there is an issue somewhere and, oh no, they turned it over, it's back in the, the defensive zone. He's already on his way back there, if not already there, with the defenseman trying to make sure that puck's not going to get in the Golden Knights net. And I think he's also one of the be- if not the best, penalty killers in the league. Absolutely. He's top, it's up there. He's up there. He's top, like, top five. At least, he, he he is a complete game. He he passes the puck really well. I think some of those uh, forty three goals he had was just kind of like being really hot at that moment. And it, but he scored twenty four, twenty five goals last season. Yeah, it was twenty four, twenty five. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, but that that's still really good. And they that that was a down season for the top line of Smith, Carlson, and Marcia So. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, was, it was really all of them were, were a bit down from, from the first season. So, you know, they call it the sophomore slump for a reason. Yeah. That definitely happened to the first line in Vegas last season. But I expect them to rebound a little bit this Yeah, especially season. if you have a full year of Stastny, Pacioretty, and Stone, who dominated, like, when they were together last season now before we get into our, our next topics here carlo do you think that uh that they might switch up the lines if they're not having i i think in my opinion i think they're only going to switch up the lines if they're not having success right off the bat yes i think so but it's not i don't think it's a really big deal because those six players are all first line players you can't go wrong with it yeah, good i think problem we have, to have right yeah it's a good problem <laughs> to have. we have two top 10 first lines in the league maybe it's 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 that's how good they are and that's the strength of this team you know yeah yeah this this team is just it's built to win and and it's built to win in a very big way so if as as long as vegas doesn't have the whole start they had in the in the last season where it was off to a rocky few uh probably 20 games which really was when schmidt wasn't on the team and now we have schmidt start right off the bat yeah yeah and it and it sounds like uh, everybody's getting ready to go. There's a few minor injuries that might prevent people from being yeah. in preseason. But that's nope. another thing. Stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please stay healthy and and don't make it because of some weird workout you were doing. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, I'm adding you right now, Ryan Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about Tonya Brown, but well, well, that's let, neither here or there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we 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 won't go there. That, that's that's the other. Uh, hopefully, Vegas none sport. of <laughs> hopefully none of the players get cold feet. Let's yeah, just say yeah. that. Uh, hopefully none of them are, are ship right. then. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Russians. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. That was good. That was good. So we're just going to yell for like a good five seconds here about the fact that we don't have Gusev. 
Yeah, everybody was really hyped about Gusev. I was hyped about Gusev. I was in the Gusev wagon. Carlo, you, you posted probably multiple times a day on hoping for an update about Gusev. Yes. And, and we were all on that train, retweeting each other, replying to each other, replying to the, the other writers and, and podcasters in town, and then they traded him. But the point here is, he's not a Golden Knight anymore. No. He's not. And we got to get over that. It's a lot of a lot of people are talking about why why it's simple it's cap it's cap it's space. It's 100 and and it is what it is at this point. It's not you know what he never played for the Golden Knights in an actual NHL game, which means that okay, well we don't know what the upside is. So that also means that there's no risk in trading him at that point. We also don't know the downside. He yeah. could, he could be probably bad we don't know he's got he's probably gonna turn out to be really good for new jersey but for new jersey yes here in vegas maybe not because of the way that Golan coaches and the fact that he wants those two-way players and gusev was really more of a, a scorer yeah so i i think that was probably what kind of put the nail in the coffin to say do we really make room for this guy and say yes we need to have him so we're going to possibly risk other key pieces of the team just to have this guy who's never even played in the nhl yeah Exactly. Well, but at the same time, we also have Marcia So, who's not the best 200-foot player. But Marcia So brings something else to the table, too, though, not just scoring. Well, and as, as Ryan the Hockey Guy was saying in, uh, I think it was yesterday's podcast, uh, just put a damn letter on the guy. I, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, yeah. he, he needs a letter. He, is the, he has become, aside from England and Bellamare, one of the de facto leaders of the Golden Knights. Yeah, he's probably going to step into that Belmar spot, the void that Belmar left. When he's he's more of the, you know, he really reminds me of Logan Couture when it comes to leadership because yeah. he, he's that guy that, you know, Belmar is the support guy saying, hey, we got your back, we're here for you, whereas Marchie's been that He's that the dude. fiery guy. Yeah, he's the guy who's charging into battle and leading the battle. Yeah. And, and that's what I saw out of Logan Couture, and nobody wants to hear about the, the playoffs, but that was really what I saw out of, out of Couture, and it was a very, very strong position to be in as a leader of that team. Now, not to say that I like that team at all, and I really don't, but I do respect that kind of leadership. Yeah, it's, it, I, I know it's a rivalry, but respecting other teams, good players, and good, you know plays and stuff like the sharks i don't like them nobody here likes them yeah but <laughs> you gotta admit they are a good team though they're a great team yeah. uh they were a great team now this coming season i'm not so sure after losing pavelski to the stars uh it, they, they, they lost more than just pavelski oh, they, lost, they lost a lot they lost uh was it uh, nyquist, nyquist yeah nyquist uh who else did they lose um and those contracts they got the 30 the something million in defensemen over good. the next 10 years yeah, almost 10 that's years that's like an that's like a to opposite toronto <laughs> where the, Toronto had all their money on the forwards, while the Sharks have all their money on the defensemen. Yeah, it, it's it, it it's going to be hairy for them. So I'm very much looking forward to being there on the second of October. Yeah, and I think the difference is that the defensemen that the Sharks have are all over thirty, that they signed for eight years. So uh, I don't know how that's going to bite them in the future. I think there's like a, a stringy hair requirement to be a Sharks defenseman. Yeah. So that's the only thing I can I, I can imagine is it's like, must be a really awesome defenseman, but also have really long, like stringy, like greasy hair you could turn into dreadlocks or something. Yeah, and you and it's, it's crazy because you compare that to the Knights, and the Knights are still really young. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, if you look at the average age that Vegas has, and, and they have a lot of older players, but the average age in Vegas was something around 27. Yeah, and we still... And we have a lot of young prospects coming up, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's talk about some of those. 
Another good segue. <laughs> we're, we're just rolling with it today. First podcast. Um, so let's talk about offensive podca- or <laughs> offensive prospects a little bit here first. I want to I want to start with uh, Paul Cotter because uh, I was talking to Sinbin about Paul Cotter the the past year, and I wasn't really high on him because I saw I saw a few highlights of him and stats when he was playing for London, and I wasn't that impressed. But after seeing him seeing him in the rookie games. And apparently he's doing really well in training camp right now. Um, I'm, I'm starting to change my mind on Cotter. Um, Interesting. Yeah, he, I, I have not really followed. A, and just for some background, Carlo is very tuned into the AHL and has been following it for pretty much since the first season or since the last season? Last season. I've, I've, I, I, I did half of the first season. But the first season was really weird because Golden Knights didn't, didn't really have a lot of prospects playing. Yeah. For the, uh, for the Wolves on that first season. Yeah, there was last a shared season, team, right, with the Blues or something? Yeah, they were shared with the Blues. And last season was the first where we actually got to see Haig. We got to see White Cloud. Uh, Reed Duke finally was healthy and then got hurt again and then got healthy again. And you got to see And Glass then in the got playoffs. hurt again. I like, I really, because I really like what I saw with Reed Duke, but he, he just keeps getting hurt. Um, and he was technically the first draftee of the Golden Knights, wasn't he? It wasn't a draftee, it was a signing. Or, a it was, si- or he yeah. was like one of the first official signings, I He believe. is the first, not one of the first. Ah. He is the original Golden Knight. But going back to Cotter, because he has two options right now, because he's in the same situation as Haig is last year, where he can go back to juniors and play for the London Knights uh, in the OHL, or he can go play in the AHL. I don't think he has a chance to make the NHL, but he is making a really, really good case right now to play in the AHL. And I think the AHL team kind of needs him because they they lost a lot of people offseason too. Yes, this is a big year for the Chicago Wolves because this is and, – and their relationship with the Golden Knights because this – last year we got Haig, White Cloud, Coughlin uh, to play for Chicago and Brandstrom for that certain amount of time last year. This year – it's it's even going to be a bigger influx of Golden Knight prospects. Elvinus and Ron Bier is going to play there. Ben Jones is going to be playing there. Jake Lechizan is going to play there. We'll see if uh, Cody Glass is going to play there. And then whoever doesn't make the NHL team of Coughlin, Bischoff, White Cloud, <laughs> Nick Holden. <clears throat> I don't I, I don't I don't I don't know about that, but. Yeah, that's that's it, it's gonna be a big year to watch the Chicago Wolves. So if you don't follow them, you should because there's a lot of prospects gonna be playing for the Chicago. It's gonna be a really young team in Chicago. Let's just say that. So what do you think about a couple of these other guys that you were just mentioning here? Um, Elvinus and Ron Bear, I was actually really high on them coming into this uh, the the rookie games. Although I don't really take a lot from the rookie games. I do take some stuff from the rookie games. Um, I saw Elvinus and Ron Bier during the World Juniors Tournament. Uh, Elvinus and Brandstrom was like Team Sweden and a few other. Like, Elvinus impressed me. He wasn't the star there, but I thought he was really good for what the position he was. And then Brandstrom was like crazy, but that's neither here or there. <laughs> I'd rather have Mark Stone, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But Ron Bier, I thought, was basically... Ten de- a team Denmark. He's like the only good player for Team Denmark. To be wow. honest with you, that's what I thought. You know, maybe because I was he was the only guy I was keeping an eye on when they played, but but when they played in juniors, I was a little disappointed. Maybe because it's the North American ice. This is the first time they're really about to play 
North American Ice, but I thought Ron Bear was lost for so like the first game they actually like glad because Elvinus, Glass and Ron Bear were in the line mm-hmm. together for the first game. And I thought their first shift was pretty good. And after that, I don't think they really repeat that good play. Elvinus had that one really nice looking goal, but other than that, I, I thought he was you know in as people would say it, invisible. They kept turning the puck over. Glass gives them the puck, and they turn it over. That was really disappointing. Yeah, you could see um, from... I, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it live, but I was watching a lot of the highlights, and you could see just from the highlights that Glass was physically and visibly frustrated. frustrated. Yeah. Speaking of Glass, because he is the only forward, I think, who has a chance to be in the NHL. Totally agreed. And I've, I've watched... 20 games in the postseason for the Chicago Wolves, plus the five games he played. And Glass is just so good. I think it's just so good. He's not going to make your highlight, super highlight reel that's going to be like a memorable play. He's not going to be Capo Caco then? No, he's not going to be Capo Caco, but he just makes the right plays and he's going to be at the right spot and he's going to put the puck in the right spot. And his hockey sense is just... And his vision is great. His skill is good. He's like, you watch him and people will say he's invisible. But next thing you know, he has four points. And then more. And then more. And then more. And, and then more. He just, he just, and then you just notice, like, but when you watch him play, it's the subtle things he does that puts other players into the right position to make the plays for him. Sounds now, like a lot of Golden for Knights. Him. Yeah. Sounds like a yeah. lot of the Golden Knights. Yeah. Sounds like exactly what you'd say if you were talking about William Carlson, Mark Stone, any of those kind of guys that are those complete players that really just have yeah. good vision on the ice. Paul Stastny as well. I think I think there we do have like flashy players. Like Shea Theodore's really flashy. Oh yeah. Alex Stuck is really flashy. I think William Carlson is his flash flashes too. Oh, the between the legs goals yeah. always flashy. Yeah. Marsha so I think Smith Smith with that one last season. Smith 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 is a good example cuz Smith I think is an, a little bit underappreciated, but he does make the right plays at the right time. But he he is not, you know, you don't see Smith a lot in highlight reels. That one you know goal I mean? last season toward the end of the season that that Smith put in between his legs. Yes, that at, one that at one. the goal line yeah. was just but, insane. Yeah, but normally he's just really consistent. You yes. know, he plays that's Cody Glass. Cody Glass is consistently good. He he like he he's very responsible in his own end too. And he he just and he makes his team like his line mates better. better. If you give him like a guy like Max Pacioretty who can finish all the all all the, the passes Glass gives gives him, that's it's done. I mean, I can see Glass potential to be like a point per game player, like 20, 20 goals, sixty 60 assist kind of player in the future maybe not the season because this is a rookie year that's going to be so so tough. that that makes me think it sounds like the closest golden knight that cody glass would kind of be with regards to his play style and his vision would it be paul stastny then uh a little bit a lot of people com- uh a lot of people compare him to not a golden knight but uh an nhl it's to mike shifley uh, i could see that yeah yeah i could totally see that i think that 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 makes sense, and I, I know everybody's high up on Cody Glass now, so I, I think the, the biggest thing is that, you know, the, the preseason's coming up. I want to see how he does w- on lines with actual Golden Knights. Yes, because, like like I said, when I was watching the, um, the rookie games, yeah, Glass was frustrated because every time he gives a puck to someone, 
they they turn it over, they lose the puck, they have to go back to the defensive end. But it shows that also shows what Glass is like as a person because yeah. he's not capo caco. He's not gonna go and take the puck and say, "Well, screw you guys. If you can't do exactly. it, I'm just gonna run circles around the defense yeah. and do it myself." Although, although um, Rocky Thompson last year kind of wanted Glass to shoot a little bit more, so. In, in Portland, Glass actually played when on the power play. This, this is an example of how Rocky is encouraging Glass to score more. In Portland and in juniors, Glass in the power play played in the half wall, in the left side half wall, where he quarterbacks the, uh, the power play, where he surveys the ice and then distributes. Last year, Glass was playing in the slot, where he, he's in the middle of the ice and he's giving way more chances to score and he did he he had he had he had what i think 10 goals no five goals in the playoffs which is in 20 games which is yeah, he led good. the points for the team in the playoffs or yeah, tied, he led, tied, yeah he had 15 the, he had 15 points in 20 games which is almost good. a point per game yeah, yeah almost yeah so how about but the, that's but that's in the line with time again oh yeah that's yeah. true so. so, how about these defensive prospects? We we know that there's going to be at least one that is a Golden Knight guaranteed this coming season. Yeah. Um, who do you think is gonna? Who do you think is gonna be? You know, I had been saying it was a battle probably between Schultz, White, God, Haig, and and Bischoff throughout almost this entire offseason. I've had like probably a hundred tweets that have at least one of those names in them yeah. just off this offseason alone. Carlo probably has just as many. But you know who's really come out of uh, the rookie camp and was really impressive? Everybody's been writing about him. Everybody's been blown away is Coglin. Yes, Coglin. Like, like I said, I don't really take a lot from rookie camps because it's a really weird situation for people. But Coglin just like, wow. And I've seen, I've seen him play... It, that happened the same way. Uh, that happened. Is, it happened again because last year in the, in in Chicago, I didn't know who Coughlin was, and then out of nowhere, I was like, "Who is this kid who keeps scoring?" And he was a rookie UFA at that. Yeah, point, he right? was. A, he was a UFA. Um, I think George McPhee was okay at trading Brandstrom because of the emergence of Dylan Coughlin, and that's. I know that's a big thing to say, but I think that was one of the reasons they were like. Fine, take Brandstrom, but I don't think I don't think Coughlin is going to be as good as Brandstrom. But we got Mark Stone in return, so that's why yeah. we traded him. Yeah, but and I, just one of the reasons. Yeah, and I I mean, if I look at it statistics wise and just play style, Coughlin would be the one for one replacement for Colin Miller. Yes, uh, but here's the difference: Coughlin actually hits the net. Oh wow! Wow, that must be that must be really great for you know when when the team is you know needs to tie up a game or yes. maybe maybe win from he, instead of going to overtime. He actually knows how to pick his shots. He's not like now. How about penalty wise? Does he draw? Does he end up with as many penalties? Well, as here's Miller? the thing about the AHL though. You can't really count that. That's in true because it's the AHL is really dirty. You know, it's 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 a very it's a different game, but it's still hockey. Yeah, but it's much more dirty than, but. That being said, though, I still have Coglin below uh, Schultz, White Cloud, and Haig. But his name just got in the conversation. I, because when, I, when they came out, I, my first thought was this is going to be Schultz, White Cloud, or Haig. Those were my three. I didn't even think about Coglin making it. Like, yeah, of course you're going to mention his name because. But now he just burst through your doors oh, like, yeah. hey guys, I'm here. 
That's now, what I took from the rookie camp. So if there's only one spot available and they don't do something like, say, wave Holden because he just is overpaid and not I really think, huge. I still think he has his uses. Yeah, he has his uses. He's, he's very reliable as a stay-at-home defenseman, but so are... I won't so, say very. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's probably a little bit of overkill, but but let's let's say that they do waive him. So let's do the... If there's two spots open and they waived him, okay. we'd need a replacement for that style of player, in my opinion. So I would think that... That, that would, would be a white cloud. Yeah, that would be a white cloud or possibly even a Schultz. I think Schultz is closer Schultz. to a white cloud than he is a Hague. No, I think Schultz is a balance. He's more of a Schmidt, but like a poor man Schmidt, where he can do a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, Bischoff is another uh, stay at home. Oh yeah, he type. he would be a and and he was technically the one that won out of camp last season, right? Yeah, but he never played any no, games. No, never. But and he was a, never even on the bench. Like I. Yeah, he, he was never suited. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was he was a healthy scratch all this whole stint. But so, I don't think we're gonna wave Holden because if we have one spot for a rookie, the only time that a rookie will come out and replace it if it's the rookie got hurt. Uh, got hurt. If if it's someone else, if it's England that got hurt, it's Holden's going to be the first man up. Yeah, you know that that I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and and that makes it a safer choice for the yeah. Golden Knights to not risk their whole season on a bad defensive choice. Yes. So I I could agree with that. Um, as much as Holden was frustrating to see during our cap issues. Um, we really don't have those issues during the regular season right now, so it is what it is. It, it's so if there's only one, who do you think is going to win it? Who right now? It's it's tough. I want to see preseason games first, but right now I still have uh, the favorite to be Schultz. I think uh, he had a he had a bad rookie tournament. Uh, let's just say that, but I don't think it diminishes it enough for him to take the seat out. It depends how he does in the preseason. Uh, I thought because I thought Haig also had a bad uh, rookie tournament. Agreed. Uh, White Cloud was okay. Now, now, what do you think about the fact that Schultz hasn't really done anything in the NH or the AHL? He he really just came out of college versus the guys who at least had one season in the yes. AHL. Uh, he did play one NHL game, if you remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was the last game of the season. But and, he was good. And he got an assist. Yeah, he was good. He actually looked really good. Yeah. So so I, I think he just, I, he, I, I think he can, he's ready to play with that caliber. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the big difference is, I think it might take a couple of these slightly younger guys to get to that maturity level, really. Well, there are some, Haig, uh, I feel, I think any one of these guys can step into NHL and somewhat produce, to be honest with you. And the question is just who? Yeah, and I don't think we can go wrong with any of them, to be honest with you. Well, it's kind of got to be Schultz now with the the one way contract for one year. Well, that's not necessarily because he's still he, he's still waiver exempt. That's yeah. ju- that's just that just means that he gets paid that much money whether he plays in the NHL or AHL. True, and if he doesn't play that in the in the NHL, then it wouldn't it keep him as waiver exempt for the next season. Well, either way, it should. Yeah, he's still, he's still going to be under an a certain age. Yeah, 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 yeah certain age. Uh, it's weird. There's a lot of rules going on there, but yeah, that that one-way contract doesn't really mean that he's going to make it a team or not. Yeah, it's ju- it's just about money, because you make less in the AHL than yep. you do in the uh, NHL. But he, well, we do know one thing is that Schultz is going to have a very great season when it comes to making money. Yes, yes, he's uh, he's gonna Brandon well, Peary too. He had a one-way. Yeah, I, I think Peary's gonna make this team. I, I think he th- is. Too. I don't think he's gonna go down to the AHL again. I think um, because if I think if you put Peary in the waivers in waivers, someone's gonna claim. Oh yeah, and and I also think with that, that contract, I think that there's gonna be a combination of possibly Glass, possibly very possibly, um, maybe playing that 
you know, fourth line center spot and alternating with Noshik, who would alternate with Piri on the, the left wing spot yeah. for the third line. Yeah, let's talk like about that. that. Do you think Glass is going to make the NHL? I'm honestly not and, sure right and, now. And, and if he does, where do you think he plays? That's the thing is I, I'm, I'm very conflicted because I could see him as winning out on the center spot for the fourth line. I just can't see him beating out Cody Eakin, Paul Stastny, or obviously Carlson either. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is that the fourth line center spot would almost make more sense to have Nicholas Waugh there. Yeah. I don't, I don't like the thought of putting glass in that line. Because I don't think... Well, what's he going to do with those guys? He, it, needs, yeah. he needs to be able to set up other players to yeah, score. Exactly. And Reeves and Carey doesn't really inspire much offense. No, they're just going to beat the crap out of guys. And then, exactly. and then Cody Glass is going to have to go in and score by himself. <laughs> I, I, I just totally see like Glass is with a puck. And you see just like Reeves and Carey just hitting people. And he's like, guys... He's like, guys, they're coming for me. Guys. <laughs> no, because if Glass does make the NHL, it's going to be at least a third-line center. Uh, and then what are I'm, they doing with Eeks? Fourth line, maybe? And Eakin can play anywhere. Eakin yes. is at, and, and in my opinion, Eakin is one of the better players that was undervalued at the end of last season and into the offseason. If you yeah. saw what people were saying on uh, about him on Twitter after what happened with the whole uh, not, not a major, like, oh, people, no. people were very down on Eakin. But Eakin is one of the more phenomenal players. He had a career year. He is a reliable center who sees the ice very well. And when he breaks away, you almost guarantee he's going to score. Yeah, he's he's on fire. He's, he plays like his hair is on fire. Maybe might maybe just his hair. But, you know, it, it, I, I really like his tenacity. He's just very defensively uh, responsible. And he's one of our best penalty killers. And that's... Like, he wasn't in that penalty kill in that five minutes. That's why, you know, him and Belmar was gone. So that's a big yeah. reason. And you see, the, like, what happens when those two are not in the penalty kill, which is another thing that I don't know who's going to be playing in the penalty kill this season. Who's going to take Belmar's spot? That's making me a little nervous thinking about it. Yeah. That'll be a, another podcast we'll do. But, yeah, we'll, that definitely needs some consideration. Yeah. And, and we'll probably have some more feedback after we see some of these preseason games and actually see some NHLers play with some prospects on a penalty kill. Yes, exactly. But I, I, a lot of people say that Glass needs to be Eakin to make the roster. I don't I, think it would happen. I don't think... That's necessarily true, because I think if Glass shows enough that he can play in NHL, because as the season goes on, Glass can get better. Yes, and he can. The, the best for him in his development is to play in the NHL. If and and I feel like if management thinks that's the best course for his development is to play in the NHL, I think he's going to make the team. And I would love to see Glass play on a line with Tuck. I want yes. to see what happens there. Yeah. I, I don't care if it is Peary on the left wing. Okay, so be it. But Yeah, Tuck's uh, going to benefit a lot from Glass's vision. Yeah, and because Tuck and Eakin seem to have a little bit of trouble playing together unless they have Pacioretty as their left wing. I, I mean, Peer, I think Peary is also a good... It's an underrated choice to be in Glass wing because Peary can finish. And he's a sniper. There's, there's one sniper. thing that Peary can do is score. He doesn't know how to tie his shoes. He doesn't <laughs> know how to turn on the TV. All he does know is score goals. He is literally that one dude from the original Mighty Ducks. Yeah, he just, that's all he does. You know, there's one season, I think it was, I forgot which season it was, where Peary's stat line in the NHL was 20 goals, 
three assists or something like that. Oh, that was that was on the Panthers, I believe. Yeah, um, something under Gallant as well. Yes, yeah, something like that. It's it's crazy. Like seriously, like and it was in how many games? It was in like I, yeah. I want to say like thirty something games. Yeah, that's one thing you can rely with Perry is score goals. He will oh, score. And when he's on, he is on for a bunch. He's streaky. So yeah. he's the streakiest player on the Golden Knights. Oh, Pacioretty's kind of streaky yeah. too, but you know, yeah, I, I think mean, I think he's Stone will help with that, making it a little bit more consistent. But yeah. Yeah, and, and I think well, Stone just makes anybody better. Stone yeah. makes the whole team better because he's on the ice even when there's changes, which means that other players on other lines are getting to be better because of Stone as well. Yeah, it's it's the hair. It is the hair. Yeah, oh. it's the crazy hair. He looks like he has the mad scientist hair. <laughs> if, if I ever... Well, did you see that somebody created a Twitter that's literally called Mark Stone's Yeah, hair? I saw that. <laughs> I, whoever that is, we respect you. Um, yeah. Also, I just... This is a call out to Mark Stone. If I ever meet you, my first question is going to be, why do you wear a helmet all weird? <laughs> your, your, your your visor never covers your eyes man like so, some some players actually like because it it's like a vision thing it's weird it just it makes me it, it reminds me of like when you're a kid and you put on like your big brother your dad's helmet and you're like dad look at me go <laughs> that, that's literally mark stone's helmet at all times yeah and so i i'm just very curious so preseason game predictions what, what are you thinking about the uh the so arizona my, one oh, tomorrow i want to see the lineup i'm like i don't care who's gonna win or lose to be honest with you, it's preseason. Who cares if you win or lose? Yeah, you just want to see same. what the lines are and who's playing together. It's the same with the junior games, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. Where a lot of people are like, oh, no, we lost. Or we oh, lost who, in rookie camp. Oh, oh, who cares? And, and, and <laughs> It's just, preseason. It doesn't count. Yeah, and just to note about rookie camp in particular is that a lot of other teams have had a lot of a lot more time to farm their prospects yes. than the Vegas Golden and, Knights. And we played, okay, we played Colorado, who's probably like top five best prospects. Pool. I believe that the Athletic had them as number one. Were, did they? They they were like the n- number one or two of the their farm systems for this past season. Okay, and Arizona, I was a little disappointed in how we play against Arizona. We did we did play better in the second and third period though. Yeah, that was a that was a little bit encouraging. We had a really terrible first period, and the Ducks, which was probably the best team up there during the tournament. And, and it was also because they considered themselves at home for that whole tournament. That too. and they had like three hundred combined games. Yeah, and we had Dylan Ferguson making a save. From Connor McDavid, you know. Yeah. That was our NHL experience. And Schultz and White Cloud, they also had the game. But yeah, but yeah. not that many yeah. games. And I thought I thought we played pretty decently against the Ducks. We didn't really get blown out until like we tied the game and then they scored right away and then they scored an empty netter. That game was much closer than the score indicated. Yeah, yeah, and, and you, you see that a lot, and especially if Rocky's going to be going yeah. to run in his way. Because Rocky, if, for those of you that don't follow the AHL that, that closely, Rocky has a very unique tendency to, uh, to empty the net very, very early in the game. Like, as that. in, like, like, still, like, a big part of the third period left. He'll empty the net just to say, well, is it worth it to wait till the very end and then get totally screwed? I think it, dep- I think it depends on how, he's, uh, how the, the team is playing. If if the team is getting really can't uh, get possession and is and his really having a hard time doing offensive uh, doing anything like anything in the offense, that's when he pulls uh, the goalie much earlier than normal. Uh, when his team is actually dominating but is behind him to score, he normally pulls it a little bit more later. Yeah, you'll, you'll you'll see him end up as an NHL coach. At I some think point. so. There was a little. I don't want to. I. I I love Gallant though, and I don't want to lose Rocky. No, that's the thing. It's, no. it's uh, there was a scare because Serrano 
wanted there was a there was a rumor earlier in this offseason that Toronto wanted to get Rocky and I was like oh no oh please yeah. no yeah because he's a really good coach oh he especially is. He is developing uh, I mean look, look at look at how the team has uh look at how the wolves have started to develop themselves since yes. since he's really been paying attention and making sure that they're a farm system for Vegas yes like Coglin came out of nowhere. Yeah, Hague's skating improved drastically. Oh yeah, you know he 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 made Daniel Carr the MVP of the AHL. Quinny the Carr Quinny and uh, Masic line was was basically the Smith Carson Marshall so line in 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 the first season of the Golden Knights, but in the NHL AHL version of it. That's how like good those that line was. Well, and if what, you and if you start reading what uh, Jesse Granger from the Athletic was saying about. Um, about how all of those guys have worked with uh, with Rocky and what happened during the uh, the rookie camp, you can very much see that he wants to make sure that Cody Glass is ready yes. for the NHL, which I thought is really really great as a coach. He he really cares about what these guys are doing, which is yes. just it's it's so nice to see that that's the way that the team is is really building up their prospects. Yeah, this organization is building from the ground up, but they're doing it the down. right way. It's really, it's really good. It's it's a really good organization, like bright future ahead of us. But going back to the preseason game, yeah. What I really want to see in this preseason game is who's playing, how well they're playing with, especially Cody Glass. Cody Glass yes. is is like my number one thing to watch for this game, and number two would be the defensive competition. Yes, because I want to see where they put Cody Glass, who's they gonna line up with, and how he's how well he's gonna do. I'm kind of interested to see if Phil Kessel is going to be there tomorrow. Uh, I don't think so. I, I kind of wanted um, Phil Kessel to be there and Shea Theodore and have them share a moment. That would have been because, really cool. Because speaking of Shea Theodore, um, he did come out, was it yes, two days ago, right? Yep. Um, of his uh, testicular cancer, which is like crazy. Yeah, it was, um, and it was he, scary to read it because uh, as, as yeah. soon as you start reading it, you're like, oh my God, is this guy ever going to play again? And then you realize that he's talking about it all after the fact as yeah. kind of more of a, hey, like let's be more aware about testicular exactly. cancer. Yeah, because they caught it early. He's yep. still young. And if you, guys, if you guys don't know, Phil Kessel went through the same thing. And they share a manager, I believe. Yes, yes. And it's crazy when, they, when you read it and Shea Theodore just randomly ran into Phil Kessel. And didn't tell him. Yeah, I didn't tell. Yeah, that's great. It's just fate that he ran into the one person that would probably understand what he's going through. Yeah, and you know and, what I mean. And he still just didn't say anything because you know, if you read the article, he just didn't really feel like it was the right place to say something. But then he he got a text like a like a while later at, while he was recovering from surgery from from Phil or before he was going into surgery, I yeah. think. And and because his manager knew that he was going through some stuff emotionally, and he knew that Phil could help him out, so Phil sent him a text while he was like about to go under under the knife for surgically, and and uh, and said, "Hey man, it's gonna be fine. Like they caught it. You're young. Like you're good." And and it just it's really cool to see the hockey community. You can hate somebody on the ice and still respect them off the ice. Exactly. There's um. For example, the Sharks. I hate them on the ice, but those guys are good people too. Well, Except for Kane. Yeah, I was going to say, like I'm pretty sure if Evander Kane and Ryan Reeves saw each other in person, there would actually just be like a full-on fight. Yeah, uh, this is Vegas. Just have it pay-per-viewed. We're good, right? Yeah, they should actually do that someday. I mean, when, when Reeves announces his retirement, I'm sure he'll call Kane out and see if he wants to come play. Yeah, yeah. I really, I'm really hoping that Reeves is going to be there opening game because right now he's hurt. 
and stuff. He, he will make it a point, I'm pretty sure, to be yeah, their opening, opening game. Opening game. At the very worst case, he'll be game two. But who do you think is going to play in that opening game, though? The Golden Knights. Hmm. I, I think that our... Uh, the, the, Golden Knights, the Golden Knights roster in the lineup is... Top three lines, in my opinion, are going to look almost exactly the same as they top, were at the... Top two... For sure. Oh yeah, yeah. No, my first line. Now, now the question is though: Do they start the first line as Carlson, Marcheseau, Smith, or do I, they flip flop first and second? I, I think that first line is just name only. Yeah. To be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. Because those two lines are both first lines. And maybe, maybe what Gallant starts doing just to mess with the uh, opposing teams this season is flip flop them on random games. Yeah. Because I don't think it makes a huge difference in his it lineup. And and I think it's just more about timing against whoever the top line is, where if it's a top line and he looks at their stats and it looks like something that Stastny and, and Stone and Pacioretty are going to do better against, maybe he puts them up first. And, you know, like say it's against the Sharks. I almost guarantee the first line against the Sharks is probably going to be the Stone line. Yes. I, I almost guarantee it because of what they did in the, in, in the postseason. Yeah, it's a little intimidation kind of thing. Yeah, you put them there. The uh, the last time that they uh, – or the game four of the, the round one against the Sharks last season, pretty sure that was the one – it was either three or four where Stone scored in the first, like, yeah, 15 yeah, seconds. Hat, yeah, he scored a hat trick. Yeah, yeah, and he scored, the first goal was in the first 15 seconds of the yeah. game. And so I'm pretty sure when that happens, it just... And it's in T-Mobile Arena, yeah, too. And, and you lose all steam. If you're the opposing team and Stone does that to you, you're just going to lose all, all steam. And then all of a sudden, the next line that comes out is going to be the Carlson line? Yeah. Yeah, if he flip-flops those lines, it actually might be more brutal for the Sharks' defense. Yeah. Or the entire Sharks. Uh, so, like, let's just talk about the fact that, like, this also is all contingent on which Martin Jones shows up. Yes, that too. But third line, what do you think? Do you think Glass is going to be on it? Like, oh my think, god! Uh, or should we come back after I would, preseason? I would, yeah, I would come back in the preseason, but because I would love to see Glass there, because I think it's time for him to make it. He's gonna play eventually this season. Eventually, he's gonna play. Yeah, but I want him to make the opening day roster because I think he is phenomenal. I, I agree, and I think even if he's kind of that extra, you know, the the twentieth or twenty first guy that kind of sits mm. there, and I don't know, I don't know if he if he's gonna make the roster, he's gonna play. He's not gonna be a healthy scratch. Yeah, and and not saying that he'll be in a healthy scratch all the time, but I've seen I've seen them kind of do some things with their less experienced, or and and sometimes it's mostly the less talented, but they've also done it with less experienced players, and you'll see this across the league too, where sometimes they'll bench them if they feel like they're yeah. overwhelmed. Yeah, but the the, the Top ta- they don't do that for the top town because they didn't That's do that true. for Shea Theodore. Well, actually, I think they did for Shea. They Theodore. sent him down to the AHL for a few games at one. No, point. but actually, when he they called him up, he had the actually he actually had games where yeah, he was helping yeah. scratch. And and, and Tuck too for a little bit. Tuck, Tuck, I think Tuck once he got called up, I think he, he played every game unless he was injured. Yeah, yeah, I think there might have been one or two where he he was sitting for because somebody else that was on the roster was there or but, something. But yeah, um, third line I think is going to be Eakin Tuck. I think. I agree. I, uh, unless Glass wins that spot. And he's gonna be there, and the third the, the third spot I think is gonna be it's Peary's to lose, so I think it's gonna be Peary. I'm gonna take the the safe choice. I could also see Peary. like we were saying earlier, maybe Glass wins that spot and they move Eakin down to fourth line because Eakin would be a great replacement with more Bora, scoring chances. Yeah, more more scoring possibilities, and maybe maybe that's the thing is maybe Carrier needs some more scoring scoring yes. chances. Fourth because, line. So yeah, you're just always fourth, fourth line. Who's gonna make that fourth line then? So you can say Eakin, you think? So so if Glass makes makes okay. the roster, 
I think that it will probably be a combination of healthy scratching either Piri or Noshik as the left winger on the third line. And I think they'll kind of rotate those two guys throughout the season. I think that it would be Glass on the center and Tuck on the right wing. Then I think that the, the fourth line would definitely be Reeves and Carrier with Egan. 100%. You, you think that you think they're gonna stick with that line, the Carrier-Reeves combination all year? I don't. I, I don't think, know where else they'd put either of those dudes. Because I think here's what I think. I think they're gonna evolve a little bit as the season goes on. Hmm. And imagine, imagine if they put Noshek, Wa, and Carrier or Zikov as a fourth line. So Zikov, Noshek, and Wa in there. That's and what's little, Reeves gonna do though? Healthy scratch. Get get paid a lot of healthy yeah, scratch money. Yeah, exactly. Imagine imagine that line. That's gonna be that's I think that's gonna give you a little bit more fourth line scoring. Although it's not gonna be as physical as the Reeves carry. Depends on the matchup. What if they mix mix match? If they need that physical presence, they're gonna go with the carrier uh carrier Reeves combination. Uh, I, and yeah, if I, a little bit more scoring from the fourth line, they're gonna go with the Zikov Wa Noshe combination. Now do you know if Wa is still waiver exempt? Ah, uh, shoot. Because I don't know. If he I is, check that. if he is, that would be exactly what what should happen. Where if... He's just going to jump up and down? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially on a game like against the Sharks, they'll send him down to send Reeves in. I think he is because we traded... For, I think he is because he's, he's still in his e- ELC. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty he, sure, yeah. He yeah, is. and he has not played like more than a few yeah, NHL yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I think he is still a Weaver. Because what you were saying actually makes a lot of sense. Because imagine that there's a game that's a very physical team. Yes. Like, say it's even somebody like the Penguins. Because the mm-hmm. Penguins can be kind of physical and they yeah. can be very, very much um, in your face the whole game. Yeah. Or the Bruins are, are another example. You get Marchand anywhere near you, and he's yeah, just going to exactly. be a little pest cap- fly the on the capitals. Sort of thing. Yeah, the Caps, the Sharks especially, though. Yeah. Those kind of games need Ryan Reeves. Yeah, you put Ryan Reeves and Carrier in there. Yeah. But, but if you're playing against, like, I don't know, an, an Edmonton. Oh, yeah, or you, Vancouver. Vancouver, you put you put the Wa and uh, Zikov in there. Yeah, and get get them some more experience. And yeah, I totally forgot time. about Zikov again. Yeah, like, just... We have so, yeah, we have so many good players that we don't have enough space for all of them, which is the best problem to have as an NHL yeah. team. Because, be, yeah, it's because crazy. does that fourth line need to be Carrier Reeves? No. I don't think so, right? No, and, and there's also a chance that maybe you put Reeves in for some of them and have Carrier go out for a little bit. Exactly, and Carrier's not scared. He's going to get hurt eventually. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah no, he's... He has a history of that, so you, you know what I mean? Yeah. What about the defense? How do you think the pairs is going to line up? The pairing is going to be interesting. I, I, if Schmidt isn't on the first pair, it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, you know, he's he's got to be. But I, I, I would not want to put Schmidt with Theodore as much as I think they do. You want to spread out the yeah, talent. Yeah, yeah. You you got to keep the talent on each of those lines because I I really don't think that we're going to see much out of the defensive prospects. Whichever one makes it, it's still they're going to be brand new. They're going to be like, oh my yeah. god, I'm still in the I'm in the NHL now. But you know what? That's going to really get to them at some point in the season, and they're just not going to be that great at some point. I guarantee it. It's just how it works with prospects a lot of time, especially on the defensive side, unless you're like a Brandstrom level guy. Well, he, he Miro Hishkinen and Dalin last year were. Phenomenal. Well, so. Yeah, and, and, so. and he, he's gonna is, I think, in my opinion, a level above any of our prospects. Like, like uh, he. Uh, was Brandstrom? Yeah, except maybe Brandstrom, but Brandstrom's not our prospect anymore. Oh so. wait, who are you talking about? Um, he's gonna. He's gonna. Yeah, he's he's way talented. Yeah, no, he he's like top twenty of the NHL. Like, yeah, they, the NHL our, even rated him at number seventeen. None of our prospects. None of our defense 
is Prospect. even close to that dude. None of our defensive <laughs> prospects is going to be close to Hishkin. I'm pretty sure let's, most let's, of our defensive let's, line. Let's let's tamper <laughs> expectations, okay? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so we don't we don't no, have no no. no. We don't no, and, and that's but that's what I'm saying is that Brasser maybe could have had a chance. Yeah, to do that. yeah, and and even then though, it's not. It might not even be on the same caliber. But yeah. but the biggest thing about what I just or what we were just saying here is that you can't have two of the best Vegas Golden Knights defensemen on the Together, same line. Yeah. So that, Theodore, that yeah, Theodore cannot be with Schmidt, nor would I really want them anyways because they have their styles. I don't think really go together because I think you need a stay-at-home defenseman that is only a stay-at-home defenseman to play with yeah. Shea Theodore. So who who do you think is gonna be with Schmidt? I'm going with the tried and true uh, pair of McNabb and Schmidt. I I could see that, and then I could see probably what do you think it would be Merrill with Theodore? I'm going with John Merrill. As you know, I'm a, the president of the John Merrill Apologist Club. I was one of the first. Oh yeah, I I, I have joined <laughs> that bandwagon too. I was one of the first people that pointed out that John Merrill was not. As bad as people were pointing out him, and he's all around just seems like an awesome dude. Yeah, he's he like rides, riding scooters. He rides a scooter with his mullet. Like to be fair though, he did start the season last year really tough, like horribly. Oh yeah, you know, and that's where the, most of the hate came from because. But he ended the season well, unlike Colin Miller. Yes, I thought <laughs> Merrill is one of our best stay-at-home defensemen. To be honest with Agreed. you, I a hundred percent agree. He, he just doesn't get a lot of credit because that 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 taste. In the mouth, from the start of the season, that taste just can't get away from a lot of fans, and they just remember that start, and they don't, they don't want to see, like how well he's been playing, like the since like November. But that's when he really started turning it around. It's like late November, and then throughout the rest of the season. So, so England definitely third pairing, probably with, with the rookie, with the rookie, yes. and then Holden is the healthy scratch. Yes, yes. Now, again, with that rookie, with England, I think that makes sense because England, we, we all know that England's not going to be on the team in one to two, three years, years yeah, whatever, however many years. When he's 40, he's not still going to be on he's the He's not going to be Brent Burns. Well, he, not be, Brent Burns, um, Joe Thorne. He's not going to be Joe Yeah, Thorne. exactly. He'll, he'll probably be on the team as in probably working somewhere as yeah. a defensive coach or somewhere in administration, but he's not going to be like on the actual team. Yeah. So... I think it's a really good time for him to be a mentor. And yes. Because he, he was a mentor to Shafee. Yeah, yeah, and he has the chops. He just doesn't have the physicality anymore to utilize the chops he has, yeah. which is great for somebody that does have the chops that can be on the same, the same pairing as him. All right, now think about this. Derek England is a righty. We have two righties hmm. in our defensive prospect, which is Dylan Coughlin and Zach Whitecloud. Hmm. I think White Cloud, honestly, my opinion is White Cloud would actually pair the best with England in particular. But just two shut down, just have those two just your shut down pair. Yeah, I mean, uh, imagine those two together on a PK. They'd probably be pretty. That's true. Decent. That's true. But yeah. I, I, would they, I tr- would they trust a rookie on the PK? Probably not. No, they'd probably put. They'd probably end up with like Schmidt or McNabb and England. Um, I would think Schmidt, McNabb, England, and we need one more. Or well, on the PK as in for the defensive spots, it'd be one of the th- or two of the three. Yeah, because we need four. We need two pairs. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <sighs> Schmidt, McNabb, England, Merrill. Yeah, yeah. Just keep Theodore out of the PK. Yeah. Like that's basically just Theodore yeah. is a fantastic he, offensive defense. Yeah, he's our, he's probably our best offensive defense. I oh think, yeah, he, he basically is is like you know a fourth forward. At most yeah, times. I think Theodore is going to have a breakout season this. I season. think he is too, and I think he's going to have over like fifty points. In my yes, opinion. yes. Um, I think I think he's going to. 
he's gonna be uh, a na- a recognizable, more recognizable name around the league. I think Schmidt will have a record uh, record season for himself as well. Um, I, I I think Theodore is gonna take the spot of best defenseman this. Really? Yeah, this season. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think that's what's gonna happen by the end of the season when you say who's the Vegas's best defenseman. It's gonna be Shea Theodore. That's true. Schmidt didn't have as much time. Uh, he he didn't have that twenty game suspension this off season or yeah. coming into this season to practice his empty net goals from the other side of the rink. <laughs> yes. I, all, all I can ever think about with Schmidt is that empty net goal against the Caps, where he literally was at like the the goal line of the Golden Knights and got got possession of the puck. Just pass it all the way across the ice. It goes into the empty net. Yeah, I'm like he, he literally. If he were a goalie, would have gotten a goalie goal. Like yeah. it, it would have been insane. But that being said, though, I still think Schmidt is going to be better defensively than Shea oh, Theodore. Oh, 100. But I think Shea Theodore is going to bring uh, bring his offense. Oh, points wise, yeah, like way up there that he's going to be considered the Golden Knights' best defenseman. If Gallant will let him, because Gallant is really not much. He's, I mean, he's not a huge fan of those guys that are going all the way forward as much. Yeah, as, well, I I think it just comes naturally because especially you can't you can't program that out of Shea Theodore. Yeah, he's think. he's he's very good, and he's gonna he's gonna be the number one power play guy. Yep, and he's gonna probably be like the best power play guy because Schmidt Schmidt is good, but because our power play because we're gonna have four forwards in both power play teams. Yeah, and one of them will most well one it's of them be, is. Got to be Mark Stone for sure on the on the forward side. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's we I wouldn't call them because yeah. it's, it's a different strategy. It's a four forward strategy, one defenseman. Yep. But like the second that second power play defenseman, who do you think is gonna be? If it if it's if 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 Coughlin or Haig makes the team, it's gonna be one of them. Oh yeah, guaranteed. But um, if it, but if it's uh, White, even Schultz, Schultz maybe could be yeah. say that. But if it's White Cloud or Bischoff. I don't know. No, then they'd have to just default to probably Schmidt, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And and Schmidt actually has a pretty powerful shot when when yeah. he's up there. Mm-hmm. But and and Schmidt is actually not he, Schmidt. When I I always thought he was slow, and then I looked at him. No, when he's he, really fast. No, he's crazy fast. But he he looks like he's laboring at all times. Yeah. And so he just looks slow because he looks like he's tired out when he's skating. Yeah. But not as much as Mark Stone, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Mark Stone looks like he doesn't want to be skating when he is. <laughs> yeah. So and then goaltending. Who do you think? Who do you think going to be our starting goaltending there? Well, it goaltender. Andrew. Sure as hell, better be Mark Andre Fleury. Oh, I was thinking. I was thinking Sparks. I thought Sparks. Oh was yeah, gonna, that's right. I was. I thought Sparks was going to. That's why we traded for him because yep. he's way yep. better than Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, hundred oh, <laughs> percent. No, it's obvious it's it's obviously going to be Fleury and And Subban. it's going to be Subban. Yeah, and Fleury and Subban. They brought in Sparks kind of like how they brought in Roy. They like Subban better but they don't want to give him the spot. Just hand it to him. No. They put in Sparks for competition. And they I are, think that's and, what it is. And Subban is Subban has a shelf life officially with the Golden Knights after this last contract, in my opinion. I think Subban will maybe spend another season after this one. Maybe. Yeah, he's he going to start looking for... He wants to be a starter soon. And you know? and the, look at all these places that probably wouldn't be... At, they would probably be equally as bad even if he were their starter. Like, say, uh, what, what's what's a really good one? Calgary? Calgary, because they don't have a goaltender. Or Edmonton? <laughs> they, because they just traded each other. They just switched. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the thing is, you know... 
you couldn't be worse than what they have, so they might as well just try somebody yeah. new. A lot of people are like, Subban, like, have you seen the rest of the adage? Subban is good. Subban is only bad good because backup. Flurry is his comparison. Exactly. And that's the thing, is like, if Subban played more consistently, which in my opinion, he very that's, much should this season. That That is his biggest thing. Though, How do you get Subban. good if you only play 13 games in a season? Yeah, because he, he that, that is Subban's biggest knock, though, because he is good, but he's inconsistent at times oh yeah well especially against calgary the, yeah. don't ever play him against calgary <laughs> yeah like, that's, just don't that's bad don't don't ever i, I think you could like, play him against edmonton he could probably play better against Connor mcdavid because he is so good at shootouts yes because Connor mcdavid is so much faster than most of his line mates that he always ends up breaking away from everybody and the only guy on that side of the ice anyway yeah. so if it's a one-on-one with suban against Connor mcdavid i would put my money on on suban yeah um I don't know, Connor McDavid though, but still. I mean, Ferguson stopped that shot. Ah, yeah. <laughs> his only, his one save, his one save in his NHL. His one NHL save. I had to bring it back. I had to bring it back. It's up. against Connor McDavid. But you gotta feel pretty good as a prospect that's that age. It's like exactly. you played one NHL game and you let that many goals. Yeah, but I stopped Connor McDavid. He allowed one goal and. Stopped one but goal. But I stopped Connor McDavid. Yeah. And, and if that, like, if I were a goalie and, and I could say that, I think I could just, like, sleep pretty retire. well every night. Yeah, just I'd retire. be like, I'm okay. Done. Like, like, so that my guy, NFL career. Well, yeah. Put I, it in your resume. Well, like that accountant dude that was the backup of the backups for the, yeah, the yeah, Blackhawks. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I know, I'm good. I, I, I never want to play an NHL game yeah, again. Have, yeah, that would be me. I have, a, I have a perfect, I have a perfect save percentage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, zero goals yeah, against. Yeah, I have a 1.00. <laughs> Put in your resume. You're applying for, like, a broker job. And it says in your resume. Resumes like stop Connor McDavid. <laughs> awesome. So we're about to wrap things up here. Um, got a got a couple more things. Just uh, we we want to always kind of end with uh, what's happening around the NHL. Yeah. So um, can we just talk about this Marner contract for a minute? Ten point eight nine three million. A, I don't know how they got that number. Why? It's so what? random. Like, why? Like all right. So so here's my theory: is that one day. Marner's camp is like, all right, we want twelve million, and then Toronto's like, no, no, that's way too much. We, you know, we can't afford you at twelve million. Like, we can't do it. Look at our cap space. We're already having to like put people on like LTIR just to get you now. And so, with that being said, I think that the team came back and said, no, how about ten million? And the entire off season was just ten thousand dollars of negotiation at a time because that would be that point nine three. That that three is thirty thousand. So. What are what are you doing? Unless that number they, they is simple. finally like, met in the middle. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like they got down to like you know eleven million, and they're still like, no, no, that's still too much. We can't work with that. That or you know what just came to my head is maybe this is exactly what it would take to be under the cap for them, yeah. and that was literally exactly, exactly what they could afford. Or I think they got the app called Number Generator and just clicked it. <laughs> Bam. There's just the, there's just some guy in offer. Excel like doing yeah. and random hiss like. I, I don't I don't get it. Like where like you know, sometimes you'll see weird numbers, but when you add them all up for over the term of their contract, yeah. it's an, a very nice even number. No, it comes out to be like sixty five point eighty eight seven something still million. Really like, it's, it's dumb. I don't like, understand. Like, what is he doing with that extra thirty grand? It, it, ten point nine would make even more sense, but like ten point eight nine three. Like okay, so he's doing something with ninety three thousand dollars that he's like, I need exactly this to like make my taxes. Like maybe it's even after taxes. I I, I can't. He, ha- he it has. Out. A, he has. He has 93 dogs, and he had to feed them one taco each day. 
and it just Add, math adds up. And apparently up. they're like $3 tacos. Yes, and like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, man, he, he needs... Let's talk about the term. Six years. Six years? And and, and what's his age again? He's, He's going to be young. 28 when the when the, um, when the contract... So he'll, he'll be a UFA. Yeah, and... they bought... So Toronto basically brought two, bought two years of UFA years. And I think Marner... Because I think what happened is to come with six years because Mar, I think Marner wanted to be a UFA as soon as possible. Yep. They wanted a shorter term. They wanted like four or five, but Toronto won't it, give it was them. It the Sebastian Ajo story all over again, yeah. but with more money and, you know, yeah, basically, but very similar where the player wants term and... If you the, want a shorter team, term, yeah. yeah. And the team doesn't want to give it because they want to try to keep him in th- the RFA years. I think they wanted to give it to him, but they don't want to give him that much. Well, they can they barely give, afford it. Yeah, like, and, and I think the team wanted a longer term. Oh, and and the last thing to note about that is that this is all this is all possible thanks to David Clarkson's contract. Yes, because of the whole um, the IR, LTIR, LTIR situation. And and so I was very confused about this to the point where I read the collective bargaining it's, agreement over the summer. Like, I gave up. I gave up on it. I'm like, why? So it does make sense what they did because yeah. the more LTIR you can have, the more you can use. And if you do it in the time they did it in the off season, you can use it to sign somebody like Mitch Marner. Yeah. Because you go over yep. the cap, because you get you have like a little buffer, and since they're gonna use LTAR anyways, might as well, you know. Yeah, and it's only for it. one year of all this yeah. stuff, so it, it actually works out. But after this this season, I'm pretty sure they're gonna have to kick somebody off the team just to fit Marner in yeah. after that. Because think well, about it, they're gonna be over the cap as soon as they hit off season next season because of um, LTIR. Because because they won't have them anymore. Yeah, LTIR goes see, away for Carson. See, then. see, here's what could have <laughs> rounding back. Dude, Vegas could have done this and traded for more LTAR and signed Gusev. Ah. Yeah, except... Except I don't want him to do that. And, so and here's bad. the asterisk there that I thought of a, a while ago. Because I said exactly the same thing at one point, And then somebody pointed out, I, I don't know who exactly it was. It, it might have actually been you. Um, somebody on Twitter pointed out to me after I said something like that. They're like, yeah, but nobody wants to play with you, Vegas Golden Knights, because you screwed everybody on the expansion draft. And oh, so everybody, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's like, true, like nobody is playing nicely. Everybody was true. trying to fleece Vegas because Vegas fleeced everybody else for an entire season. Well, they, fle- they fleeced Florida and Minnesota real bad, like real, real bad. Yeah. And then the Penguins kind of bad. Yeah. Um, well, and, they, no, the Penguins wanted to get rid of Mark Andre. But, but the biggest thing is that the Penguins probably didn't need to bribe Vegas with. That's picks. true. They did. They did. They, we, we got a second round. Vegas, pick off yeah, we, we needed a goalie pick. anyways. <laughs> we, we we got. A second round pick just to pick Mark Andre Fleury, and, and the best thing ever is also that everybody was so upset about Gusev. But when you think about how many picks he technically yielded because we picked him in the expansion draft, it ended up being like between the second and what was it, second and fourth that we got in the trade, something yeah. like that. I believe we also got a second and fourth on the expansion draft just for picking him. Yes. So two seconds and two fourths for Gusev, that makes it a little... That's pretty, that's pretty decent. Yeah, for a guy who's never played in the NHL, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But still, I, let's see what happens. So yeah, let's, let's, end let's it wrap on, it up here. Yeah, let's end it on this. Are you going to get the new NHL 20? Uh, I, I'm a little salty about how they rated the Vegas Golden Knights, and I feel like it's going to translate into the team having shitty gameplay. Um, I think... I, 
I, I think the game is it's just a video game. I I'm in it for the franchise mode, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get it anyways. So yeah. But, but seriously though, how is Mark Stone not in the NHL 20s top 20 players? Yeah. He's not even in the top 50, right? It was it was yeah, the top right. 50? He he didn't even make it. Mark Stone is they had to have done it off offensive stats alone. Yeah, like, well, well, he's still good defensively, but uh, I think we should end it there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my point. Mark Stone should be top 50. <laughs> yeah, and that was basically the first episode of Far Eastern Conference. So uh, if you if you like what you're hearing, um, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we'll, we'll start posting up more of these. Um, so I'm Andrew at Choi underscore AJ. And I'm Carlo. You can follow me at SumDude88, spelled S-U-M-D-O-D, 88. 88 is the number, though. 88 is the number. That's like the Schmidt. most important, yes. All right, so SumDude88 at Choi underscore AJ, and we're signing off for the weekend, so until next time.